to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits and poultry all featured. Additional information such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. Today, we will be joined by Caitlin Cogden, Cameron Finley, and Maxie McLean to discuss what being a professional in agriculture means to them. Caitlin has been a professional agrologist since 2017 and is the field crop specialist at Prenia, where she supports the growth and development of the field crop industry. A proud plant science graduate of the former NSAC, she has agricultural roots in Colchester and Kings County and currently resides near Windsor. Caitlin has been lucky enough to experience agriculture through several different lenses, working in a small plot research on dairy farms in Nova Scotia and a hog farm in Northern England and in agricultural extension. Cameron graduated from Dalhousie's Factory of Agriculture with a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture, double majoring in Animal Science and Aquaculture, as well as obtaining her Master's of Science in Agriculture. She now works at the Registrar's Office at Dalhousie, primarily based in the Truro campus, as an assistant registrar of recruitment, campus visits, and special events. Cameron is originally from Spring Hill, Nova Scotia, but now resides in Westchester Station with her cats and dog, Hank. Maxine is a professional agrologist and current president of the Nova Scotia Institute of Agrologists. She is passionate about bringing recognition to the Institute and pride in the professional agrology designation. Maxine is a policy analyst with the Nova Scotia Federation of Agriculture, as well as a graduate of the former Nova Scotia Agricultural College, where she completed her degree majoring in environmental science. Maxine, Caitlin, Cameron, thanks very much for being with us today on Maritime AgCast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. For sure. So all four of us here, I think, have a very diverse background, uh, both in our education and what we do on a daily basis. So one of the things I'd like to start with is what is agrology in the context of your daily work? And Maxine, as uh, someone who works down the hall from me and president of NSIA, maybe we'll start with you. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Brad. I guess I'll start off from the NSIA perspective, and we kind of see agrology being across the board. We have members that work in private sector. Uh, we have members who work in research and also members who work in government and extension. So, you know, our members are very broad. They're around the province as well. And I'll just note that, yes, we're the Nova Scotia Institute of Agrologists, but there's also an Institute of Agrologists in each of the other provinces as well. And, and the scope of agrology is, is quite broad and it's really hard to singly pick out that one key thing that agrologists do because it is quite broad. And in my case, I work in agriculture policy, right? So it's bringing that, that agriculture lens to um, any broad decisions that need to be made or changes that need to be made to benefit the agriculture industry. So that's, that's the lens that I take in this. So with that, I was required to have a bachelor of science in agriculture. I got that at the Nova Scotia Agricultural College, and I majored in environmental sciences and minored in business uh, with some economics and policy courses in there. So that's a bit of my background when it comes to, to being an agrologist. I'm the field crop specialist at Perennia. So my approach lens to agrology is from the more 
traditional extension perspective. So providing that growth and development support for the industry, providing resources, things like that. So really my lens of agrology is, is dealing directly with the science and um, helping to share that with producers. Thanks for uh, having me today. Uh, my name is Cameron and I currently work at the Faculty of Agriculture and uh, I guess my lens of agrology is a little bit different from uh, Maxine and Caitlin today. Uh, my background is in agriculture and animal science aquaculture and I completed my master's research with wild striped bass. So a little bit of a mix of my background and uh, my experience with research and with agriculture in, in our region. Uh, my current position as an assistant registrar um, at Faculty of Agriculture really uh, digs deep with the education extension portion of being an agrologist. And I'm currently working towards my uh, professional agrologist uh, status. With my role, I work really closely with uh, young folks in agriculture and looking at that as a viable option for an education pathway. So really staying relevant with what's happening in our industry with producers, research, hands-on learning opportunities across the Maritimes is extremely important uh, with my role. Uh, we have so many students that come in and are looking for something. They're not really sure where they want to start. They know they're interested in science. They know they're interested in where their food comes from. And, you know, helping to, uh, to connect those students to different education pathways is really important. So knowing what's happening in agriculture and with producers is, is really important for helping students find that right fit for them here at the Faculty of Agriculture. So uh, I'm just looking at our screen here, and there are five agrologists, either professional or articling, on the screen. We've all got very different education backgrounds and very different daily work that we do and in, in the context of of agriculture and agrology. So Maxine, as the Institute of Agrologists in Nova Scotia, how do you folks kind of herd the cats as it is and make sure that you're meeting the needs of such a diverse group of individuals, both in their professions and, and as a diverse group of individuals as people? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one that uh, we've been navigating for quite some time, if you will. It's one of those things when you're trying to bring such a diverse group together, it's what's our common interest. And a big part of that's the agriculture industry as a whole. That's a common theme where we, we often cross across all our agrologists. I'll note that we have a great programs committee with NSIA and they do different farm tours um, and different webinars and workshops and just general information sessions. I know they do their best to pick topics that cut across as many, many of our members as possible, um, whether it be at a high level. So people understand what are current trends and technologies in the industry. That's often where we go. I know most recently we did uh, a workshop before our our annual meeting on EDI, equity, diversity, and inclusion. So that was one thing that's very, you know, cross-cutting. When it comes to the very specific and very technical aspects of, of our professional development, so just for those listening, professional agrologists are required to have professional development. So yes, to become members of the Institute, they have to have you know, their base education requirements, 
but there's ongoing professional development all the time, right? So every year we have to complete 30 hours of professional development. And some of those hours have to be specific to our area of work. Um, and others can be more on like say facilitation skills or just general management skills. But for the most part, we're continuing to learn what's evolving in the industry as part of our professional development. That's a really big piece of being a professional agrologist is that PD. So glad you touched on that because one of the speaking points I wanted to go over was the importance of being a professional, right? It, it's not just the designation. It's about that lifetime learning. And one of the things that, you know, I think particular in our office, and I, it's probably true in Perennia too, is the diverse background of people and the networking that that allows you to do and surround yourself by other folks like you, but very different at the same time based on their knowledge and skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you there. As you said, from my perspective at Perennia, we come from a lot of different backgrounds, both educationally and geographically, and uh, also with our work experience. And what's cool about being a professional agrologist is it brings all of those people together. People who aren't necessarily involved in in the industry, but even some that are involved in the industry don't necessarily recognize how diverse our job opportunities are. And I think that the NSIA really brings that together and offers different perspectives. I'm going to jump on what what Caitlin just chatted about. And I think that's relevant as well in in my career and, and how I work, you know, alongside with networking with other agrologists and those professional development opportunities. Agriculture is diverse, industry is broad, and staying relevant with what's happening with job opportunities for students, hands-on learning opportunities, you know, that networking opportunity is really, really important to really showcase to students, like, what there are for options and that there are thousands of options, and I'm just, like, reflecting back to uh, when I was younger, and I knew I was interested in agriculture, I knew um, I want to work with animals. I knew I was interested in where our food comes from. And um, the only people I knew who worked in agriculture that were you know, women in my region were veterinarians. And I thought, you know, I thought that was my only option um, in agriculture, but coming to the Valley of Agriculture, um, I know it's able to see like there's so much broad um, and diversity in where people come from, what they do in relation to agriculture, the whole, you know, process right from farm to your plate. And students don't realize that there are, you know, so many different options, whether it's more managerial, it's uh, business related, it's agricultural technologies with any type of farming system. So there's, there's something for everyone in agriculture. So I first joined NSIA Council in, I think, 2006, late 2006 or early 2007. And one of the things that I see now that's a lot different is how people view agrology versus agronomy, right? So the traditional view of agrologist is actually agronomist, where you're out there working in the field, providing very specific soil or nutrient advice, or you might be in the animal husbandry side. But in reality, you know, agrology is the professionals that support all of agriculture and agri-food and the, the related sectors. And I know even just looking at the composition of council in 2007, it was a lot of extension folks, a lot of researchers from the former NSAC. And now when you look at council and even the membership a little more broadly, it's a lot more diverse and actually includes those social sciences. I definitely agree with that, Brad. We are seeing... Um a good cross-section of 
agrology across the board that we are starting to see a lot more of those social sciences and social scientists and more interest in becoming a professional in some way, shape or form, right? So we know that, you know, to become a professional agrologist, you are required to have a certain education or meet the national education standard, right? And that's laid out by agrologists in Agronome Canada. We know there's a lot of people who want that agrologist designation, and that's in part why why we're working towards having a technical agrologist designation in hopes that, you know, we have this professional agrologist piece, um, but also technical agrologist for those who are interested in working in the industry who don't necessarily uh, meet all the agrologist course requirements for that professional agrologist designation. Yeah, and just to add to that, like, I think that having the professional designation, whether it's the the PAG or the um, technical agrologist, once that comes in, I think it just really gives us credibility as an industry and as a group of different professions. Because, you know, you look at something like engineers that have a professional designation, and like, that's so recognizable and automatically respected, right? And so I think that that's what being a professional agrologist gives us is, you know, a recognition that's like, okay, these people have met these requirements, they can give us this advice and work with us and cover such a broad range of topics. We have specialties um, within our professional agrologist designation that we can list and, and that's where the diversity really comes out. I think there's something to be said about someone who hires a professional agrologist. You know what? Like when you hire a professional agrologist, you're hiring someone who meets a minimum education standard. And you're also hiring someone who is keeping up with their professional development. You're hiring someone who's current in industry trends, industry research, that sort of thing. So I think that's really important to know in terms of the importance of the professional agrologist designation. Just to add to that as well, I, I know thinking from the um, you know employer side or someone you're looking for, someone with a diverse background, you know it's not just that we have that education or a certain area of research or training or experience, but we're coming with you know continuing to work year after year as lifelong learners in the industry with keeping up with our PR hours and working on you know, a leadership and staying relevant what's happening in the industry. You know, we come with you know that minimum education, but also a lot of diversity in our training and where we spend those hours, you know, learning more about the industry, learning more about maybe what's not happening in our corner, but maybe what's happening in a different corner of agriculture and agri-food. Yeah, and when it comes to those PD hours, personally, in my, in my job, I don't find it difficult to get the PD hours that are related to my area of practice. But what I really value from NSIA is those PD hours on some of the different topics, like Maxine mentioned earlier, the EDI session. That's something that I wouldn't necessarily have in my day-to-day job, but something that is really valuable and really interesting. So I think that NSIA can give us those kind of broader topics that you wouldn't necessarily get in your day-to-day job. In upcoming events, the Nova Scotia cattle producers are introducing an on-farm preconditioning pilot project later this fall where preconditioning cattle services will be available to members on farm. Please visit nscattle forward slash preconditioning for more information. Regular feeder sales occur every second Tuesday throughout the fall with the next one occurring November 9th at Atlantic Stockyards. Please check atlanticstockyards.com for the full schedule. 
The Nova Scotia cattle producers are pleased to announce the Nova Scotia Soil, Pasture and Forage Management Program. Details and application can be found at nscattle.ca. And a reminder that there are many programs available through the Department of Agriculture, such as Cattle and Sheep Industry Development Program for a full list as well as applications and guidelines. Please visit novascotia.ca forward slash programs. Yeah, over the last 15 years, probably the biggest change within the Institute and the profession itself outside of just the agronomy to agrology bit is the inclusion of lifelong learning and professional development. And it's not like the agrologists and the generations before us didn't do that. I think it's just been more of a accountability, right? Recording that you're actually going to workshops and conferences and seminars. And it's been an adjustment for some folks, I think, but in general, you know, I think for most of us, those PD hours are accessible and NSIA and the Federation and Perennia, uh, you know, the folks that do a lot of those workshops do a very good job in delivering multidisciplinary workshops where possible as well. And, you know, not just NSIA, like I said, but all of the groups have kind of recognized agrology as something bigger than what it had been historically, whether on purpose or, or not. I think that's helped a lot of folks feel more included in the agrology profession. Just a note on the professional development requirements as well and the opportunities more than anything. I think the past year and a half, it's been easier than ever to get professional development. You don't even have to leave your house, right? Like, there's been different universities who offered online courses that that'd be relevant to, I believe, many areas of practice for agrologists, right? So I think we're in a unique opportunity now to connect with other agrologists from across Canada virtually um, and making sure that we get some really good professional development and, and outside of, of those who we would normally speak to or hear presentations from. And I think that's very useful and has maybe kind of shifted how we do professional development going forward or where we look for professional development going forward forward, I guess, would be a better way to phrase that, that networking piece, you know, I'm going to go back to the farm tours that, you know, we usually do a day long farm tour in the spring and the fall. And there's nothing that can replace that, in my opinion, it's important to connect with each other to meet face to face. I also think from a, a student perspective, to be able to get some of our future articling agrologists out into some of these tours and at events and activities, to me, nothing replaces that in person piece. But I think think there will always be a place for more of this online virtual professional development type courses, webinars, workshops, what have you. I definitely agree as one of those new AAG uh, folks. Um, I love the ease accessibility and um, with starting with something new like this and working towards uh, my, my hours and as much as I love collaborating and seeing folks in person and in 3D, we're starting to see more of which is fantastic, but you know, with that accessibility of, of resources and virtual, you know, farm tours and um, virtual, we like, you know, different webinars, different topics, I think has been fantastic, especially with, you know, onboarding uh, this year with, with NSIA. I think it's been wonderful to have that, that reach and we're not just have to have that one time that we can meet and we have that that option to connect with people from all over the place and, and learn from each other you know in different time zones as well so it's been great uh, this year with that as much as I'd like to see people in person it's been really fantastic to to learn virtually as well yeah I hope we see that more of 
both going forward. You know, some of these virtual events and things keep going. As Cameron said, it'll be really nice to get back to seeing people in 3D again. <laughs> and especially those farm tours. Like what I really like about those um, farm tours that we often do are you end up with people that you wouldn't necessarily see even if you're meeting with other people in the industry, you probably aren't going to run into the same people. And you can hear about different perspectives on things. Like I look at things from the perspective of the growers that I'm working with, but it's really nice to hear their perspective from other directions. Oh, I was just going to add that, you know, when you're learning about these different topics, it's going to be nice to have that tangible aspect. You know, we are learning about soil science or we are learning about a new technology or something new with animal husbandry that we can actually like see look feel smell and you know have those side conversations with other people who are joining as well that that doesn't sometimes always happen as much as we, we want it to it's sometimes hard to strike up a conversation on a topic when you are you know in a zoom meeting or, or a team's call so it's gonna be nice to like hey caitlin like did you see that like you know how does that relate to you or you know can you tell me more about that topic so I'm really excited to actually like touch and feel and see people have those you know little side stories and conversations as we're touring around or or if we're at you know a different facility. It's going to be nice to actually have that different opportunity to engage. One of the things that we've discussed a lot over the last year is the whole online versus in-person uh, workshop seminars, and you know there's definitely pros and cons to each. Uh, and I know from working with farmers that they really like getting out and seeing what their neighbor is doing or somebody in a different part of the province. And one of the things I think we've realized is they don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? You can do both of them together. And you know what, Perenni has done some really good virtual farm tours. I know the Federation has done some a lot of stuff around virtual open farm day. Uh, some of the commodity groups are starting to do some virtual farm tours as well. So there's really no reason why we can't have the benefit of getting everybody together on farm when it's okay with public health and then archiving that on YouTube or on a website somewhere where before we used to have these one-off events where we would get 60 or 70 producers out to do a, a field walk. And then you know, all of that information was lost to, to time. And now we can archive it and share it later on. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of extension folks and industry associations have done and picked up very quickly in the last 14, 16 months uh, since the onset of COVID. So I don't know if anybody has any additional comments on that. It's, as professionals that work with farmers and, and agri-food, getting people information is a lot of our primary roles. And we just have more tools now that we can do that. I agree. I think we have a lot more tools now and how we do that. I also think it's worth noting that it doesn't have to be perfect. One thing that just in my, my experience before a year and a half ago and, and everything moved online prior to that, it was like, okay, what does this need to look like? Like, and you had your high-end technologies and, and everything like that. And just trying to make a good video or good something. And I think we learned with COVID, it doesn't have to be that. You know, you could have someone show up with their cell phone and take a video and maybe record a couple of things and just put that online and, and make it like a, make a two hour tour, just a half hour video, right? And, and that way it's available for those who weren't able to attend. And I think that's one thing that that's a big takeaway in all of this is, you know, just as long as the information's correct and it's getting out there, I think that's more important than having it done perfectly. And I totally agree. And I think having 
so many virtual resources and options for people to explore and, and utilize and, and engage with. I don't think we can ever go back to not having some, some type of you know, virtual recording or a walking tour video of, of a producer. And I think that we're, we're pretty lucky that we have those options and that we can have, a, you know, people have a broader range of access to, to these resources and kind of the flip side um, in, in my current role um, at the Faculty of Agriculture, doing virtual events and virtual webinars, you know, doesn't replace those in-person things. It really helps supplement when we aren't able to offer those in-person things um, because you know, people and students who are interested in agriculture and agri-food having those tangible in-person you know, events to really see agriculture happening in live time is really, really important to help supplement what you're doing virtually, but happy that we're able to kind of balance now like in-person and virtual opportunities and having those resources available for everyone. I think is really fantastic. So we've talked a lot about the use of online versus in-person as far as professional development, but how has it changed in your role of delivering your services or advice to your clients? Yeah, I think that's huge. For me, like we're realizing more than ever how many different ways there are for people to learn and that not everybody learns those same ways. So when we're providing extension information that used to go out in a newsletter and then through conversations, like now that stuff is going out through the newsletter and conversations and podcasts and videos. And I think you're capturing not necessarily more people, but I think that that people maybe are understanding that better because they're seeing it in a form that they most relate to, you know, so somebody who maybe doesn't want to read a few paragraphs about the latest trial or whatever that we've been doing. But if they can hear that or watch a short video about it, then maybe they're, they're going to take that in more than they would have otherwise. And I'll tag on to that. So in my position, there is that getting information out to farmers, like definitely that's there. A lot of my job is also listening to farmers, right? And we would often try to bring farmers together to discuss a particular topic, right? So I'm thinking specifically, we have a soil health scanning policy and we were trying to bring farmers together to talk about it. And our scanning policy on soil health came in just, just before COVID. And we were talking about bringing people together and where's the equally most inconvenient space for everybody, right? Like, so we were trying to, trying to get as many people from across the province there is, is what we were trying to do. And with the shift to online, we've been able to bring more people together, right? So more people are familiar with Zoom or with Teams or whatever the online platforms are. And to have those broader industry conversations, it's actually great, right? So I think that's great. So to Caitlin's point, like definitely you meet them where, how they want to learn and how they want to listen. And I think online is also great to bring a lot of people together for an hour or two, you know, so you're not traveling, traveling for more hours in a day than you're meeting, if you will. So I think that's a, a really important aspect to this as well as I, I feel like, and as long as our Nova Scotia rural internet holds up, <laughs> that, that I think that online, that meeting space is going to be here for a while, especially for those shorter one-off meetings. One thing I have loved is that I've gotten to chat with students from anywheres and everywheres and, you know, getting information out to those students, 
be able to showcase some different aspects of agriculture in a virtual platform. You know, chatting with one student, I know from BC in the afternoon, and then later that day, chatting with a student from Peru about agriculture has been really eye-opening for me. And, and in a normal year where we haven't had these virtual resources or opportunities to connect with students who are interested in agriculture, you know, I would not have been able to travel to these different countries and different provinces, depending on the time of the year, to chat with these students and their families. So it's been really great to talk to these students, talk to their families, get to know them, hear what they're interested in, and see what we have to offer um, here as an education, but also for learning opportunities outside of the classroom in Nova Scotia. So I've been absolutely been enjoying chatting with these you know, students from everywhere uh, this year. It's been absolutely great. So just to switch gears a, a little bit here, I want to go back to kind of the professionalism and accountability side of, of what we do and, you know, what it means for either producers or agri-food businesses to actually rely on folks like you to get that sound, solid, knowledge-driven advice. So Kayla, maybe we'll start with you. What do you see in working with your clients of them working with professionals like the extension crew that works at Perennian and why they come to you and don't rely on other sources for their information. Yeah, so I think that the farmers that we're working with maybe don't necessarily know that we are professional agrologists. I'm sure a lot of them do, but, uh, but not everyone. But I think where that comes into play is that Perennia or other organizations like us are trusted and respected organizations and, you know, that you can come to those organizations for solid advice. And then where the PEG thing comes in is that Perennia is hiring those people. So whether the actual clients know that we are PEGs or not. They know that Perennia is hiring those people and looking for those qualifications in their extension crew. I would definitely say when it comes to that employer side, you know, if, if you're known to hire professional agrologists, I think that increases your reputation as a business, in my opinion. Again, it comes back, and I, I think I made the comment earlier on there's something to be said at if you hire a professional agrologist, right? Like, you know, you're getting a professional, someone who's current and up to date, like you're not going to hire any Joe Blow to be your accountant. Honestly, like you're going to have someone who knows taxes and, and knows farming taxes at that, right? Because when you, when you put some of the programs and other stuff in there, it makes things complicated, right? So we know that with accounting. So to me, I see the same thing as uh, when you're talking about hiring an agrologist. And when I say agrologist, I mean professional agrologist, right? Like someone who's a member uh, in good standing of the Nova Scotia Institute of Agrologists, making sure that that they have their PD. And we have processes and policies and such in place that if you are a member, you are required to do your PD, right? And, and that's an important aspect in all of this is that that continuous ed and that current and, and understanding of, of the industry. So you're not hiring someone who is going to talk to you about practices that are, are extremely outdated. You're talking to them about practices that are current and relevant to your farm. Here's the market report for the weekend at October 29th, 2021, brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited, which has been Atlantic Canada's primary auction mark for more than 60 years. 
In the local hog market, base price in Nova Scotia was $1.99 per kilogram, down 11 cents from last week. In Ontario, base price was down 11 cents from last week to $1.90 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $2.07 per kilogram, down 17 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle price Atlantic beef products was $2.63 on the rail. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.57, and in Quebec, rail price was $2.66, all flat from last week. Call cattle Atlantic stockyards sold for $0.58, cents, a downward change of $0.22 cents from last week, while rail price at Atlantic beef products was $1.36, no change from last week. Calls in Ontario averaged $0.62, cents, up $0.01 cent from the prior week, and $0.63 cents in Quebec, moving up $0.03. Cents. Good dairy bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds at Atlantic stockyards averaged $78, down $22. And good dairy beef bob calves averaged $187, no change from last week. Meanwhile, calves in Ontario were down seven cents to a base price of $1.24 per pound, and calves in Quebec were $1.10, an increase of one cent per pound. Base price for lambs at North Armour Lamb is $10.50 per kilogram, and month sits at $6 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards average $1.58 per pound at 55 pounds, ranging from $1 to $1.85. In Quebec, 50 to 64 pound lambs average 275 at 58 pounds, ranging from a dollar to 317 and a half. For 65 to 79 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards, they average 201 per pound at 69 pounds, ranging from a dollar 55 to 205. In Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs average 251 at 73 pounds, ranging from a dollar 35 to 290. Use Atlantic Stockyards range from $100 to $220 averaging $173, and in Ontario, we use average $1.87 at 144 pounds and range from $1 to $237.5. Make sure you check your association websites for additional pricing information. So we've talked a lot about networking as individual agrologists and professionals uh, within our own province, and a lot of us even have regional and national networks of, of those individual folks like us. But What's happening at the institute level, either regional or nationally, so that they can work together towards a, a common goal? Or is there anything that's common, uh, challenges, issues, or opportunities across multiple institutes? Yeah, so I am the chair of the membership committee for the NSIA. And through that, I have ended up talking to um, some of the other institutes about their membership challenges or their membership processes. And that's been really interesting. I was talking to people from PEI the other day, just about how do you handle this? What do you do? And it's interesting to see that we have the same challenges and the same things that are coming up in other provinces as well. NSIA, we're a member of Agrologists and Agronome Canada, and there's institutes from across Canada that are members of that association. And Collaboratively, and I guess it'd be a handful of years ago now, uh, we worked on the national education standard. And what that did was create like a commonality, you know, there's a, a one education standard to become a professional agrologist. And that was one, one way that we worked together well to implement, to, you know, come up to what does this national education standard actually need to be. And that's, that's one space that we played in recently. And coming up uh, next month, we'll actually be working on our path forward, right? Like, so we have the national education standard along the way. What else, what other common things do we have that can be worked on collectively? Like what makes the most sense? And 
in my opinion, one, one place that I see us all working well together is that recruitment piece and that education on one education for say high school students be like, Hey, what, what are career opportunities out there? Right. And consider agrology. Right. And I think each Institute can, can play that role. And the way I look at that is, and we talked about it, this kind of goes like circles back right to our beginning of, of this discussion and, and how broad our membership is. You know, we have those science researchers in there, you know, doing field trials. We also have social sciences and we have, you know, myself, I do agriculture policy and we have extension and, and we have just such a breadth of, of membership. And I think that from a national perspective, I feel like that that's a role that we can play. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that's something that that the national organization will will move forward to do because that's something that we all talked about like as being a barrier and not so much a barrier but just that knowledge piece and making sure that there's an understanding of what career options are in agriculture and and what it means to be a professional agrologist and and kind of ingraining that that concept in and everybody's mind at a younger age. So that's from a national perspective. I know from an Atlantic perspective, uh, the Nova Scotia Institute of Agrologists, we are working with the other Atlantic institutes. And one thing that we came together on was on that technical agrologist designation. And now we really just need to put a, a pathway and a plan in place to make, make sure we all have that ability to to offer the technical agrologist designation. And, and that's where we're at right now. Uh, there's opportunities from Atlantic perspective, in my opinion, to collaborate, you know, if we're doing farm tours and some of us will get a province for meetings. Well, if there's opportunity to hop into some of our neighboring institutes uh, events, I, I, I'd like to see a lot more of that collaboration happen to see what's, what's going on in Atlantic Canada. There's a lot happening um, and a, a lot happening currently with collaboration, but I definitely think there's a lot more room for us to, to collaborate on. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in there quickly, Maxine, and the pizza policy and a pint that the NSI has been doing for the last few years. I'm going to take all of the credit in the world for that because I was actually in Winnipeg for a meeting and the Manitoba Institute was doing a session out there. So we had adopted that early on and brought it back as well. So you're right, like with the amount of us that travel either regionally or nationally to meetings, engaging in those other institutes where possible is, is very important and fun and it, it expands your network. We try to highlight agrology as more than just, you know, farming and, and cropping and animal husbandry. And often I get ch a chance to speak at either a high school or, or sometimes the Dow policy class. Um, you know, so one of the things I like, like to point out is that, and I've got a presentation that's built completely around all of the jobs related to farming and agriculture that, you know, and ones that people don't think about, like even ag journalists, right? There's all kinds of folks that specialize in communications, uh, specialize in social media, manufacturing, whether you're manufacturing inputs or it's food manufacturing and processing and transport. You know, heavy duty mechanics, tractor trailer operators, heavy machinery operators, like you don't have to put something in the ground and wait for it to grow to, to work in agriculture. And it is one of those things that we can promote it to a lot broader base of individuals and, and young students than we typically do, I think. Definitely want to jump on that train of, you know, national commonality with recruitment 
and showcasing and helping students and prospective agrologists explore these different options. And there's so many opportunities for students, you know, looking at the whole supply chain uh, of a single commodity and, you know, the jobs are related along that whole chain are, it's, it's impressive that you said, you know, from the, the truck drivers to the on the ground producers. I just have a, a similar conversation the other day with my partner I works in the blueberry industry. And there are so many different aspects that people don't realize like, oh, that's part of agriculture because we are exporting you know, millions of pounds of, of blueberries <laughs> from our region. I, I live near Oxford, uh, if you haven't guessed already and blueberries are, are big here, but in my role with the Faculty of Agriculture, you know, showing students that there are so many options for different careers, um, you know, including the social sciences in my spare time <laughs> outside of work, I'm a really proud 4-H leader and I, I sit on different committees across our county, our region and our province. And we have such a great audience there in the Maritimes Atlantic region. And I know to get in front of these, these members and these young adults that are in interested in agriculture and interested in 4-H and we have those opportunities to really get in front of those audiences to showcase um, you know for, for some of us like myself who grew up in very small town rural Nova Scotia that didn't have those opportunities to really explore those different career opportunities within agriculture and agri-food and I think you know there's a really good opportunity there to continue that it's it's led to my job every single day with um, agricultural education and, you know, staying, uh, you know, up to date was what's happening. And I had, you know, I was chatting with a student the other day and they're interested in international development for agriculture. And, you know, we, we offer different learning opportunities for at the international scale for, for development and helping different countries and different regions establish different agricultural practices. So really getting the training here and be able to help others. And there's, there's tons of opportunities and, Anytime I get to chat about agricultural education, uh, I'm, I'm down for it. Uh, whether it's a forage audience, it's work, it's my neighbor's kid interested in doing something with agriculture. You know, I'm, I'm always uh, interested in uh, being able to, to share the, that knowledge with, with others. The other thing I wanted to mention on the kind of regional and national perspective is I think it's really cool that NSIA is, is one institute within a group of institutes and that there is not only knowledge sharing between those, but also labor mobility between a lot of those institutes. So we've had people come in from other provinces that are PEGs in those other provinces. They've met those that national education standard requirement, and they can just transfer their PEG status to Nova Scotia because we know that they are meeting those, those requirements from their other province. So that's really cool because it allows people to flow across borders and know that that, that knowledge is, is at a certain standard. So I think that's really neat. I think it's neat to have those transferable skills that you can take from hopping from one province to another and having a little bit different perspective as well, but still meeting those requirements, I think is, is extremely valuable. So we're getting ready to wrap up. I wanna thank everybody very much for their time. If you had one closing piece of advice for our young listeners or even some of our more seasoned listeners about being a professional in agriculture, what would that be? Honestly, for me, one, one thing that I would say is if you're interested in agriculture, there's so many different opportunities, right? And to, to have the opportunity to work in ag is really rewarding. You know, it's, it's an evolving industry. There's so much new all the time that 
if you want to be like state of the art and and work in some of the newer sciences that are out there, you know, whether it be genetics, lots of opportunities, right? If you're interested in something in particular, look into it and you can probably find a, a match for it in agriculture too. My advice for a professional in agriculture would be to connect with the Institute, with NSIA, and get involved with it. Like, don't just put in your PD hours because you have to and, you know, show up to the occasional annual meeting, but get involved, try out a committee, have your say, because you get to meet a lot of interesting people that way and um, share a lot of really interesting perspectives. I'll go with my... My most important, I think, relatable advice, and I think I'll take it from a lens of our younger audience tuning in that are interested in agriculture or becoming a professional agrologist. I work with a lot of students who are sometimes, you know, unsure and they're feeling lost and they want to do something hands-on that they're going to make a real difference, whether it's, you know, different areas of agriculture, whether it's fighting, you know, climate change challenges, resource management, environment, food security, access to safe drinking water. If you're interested in any of those topics, you know, we're finding lots of those answers and those solutions, those, these new uh, challenges in agriculture and agri-food. So if you're interested and you want to make a difference, jump into it. It is so worth it. And like, it's a rewarding career. It's going to be rewarding work, uh, working with the environment around us and producing food for everyone. That's my advice. <laughs> if you're interested, take that challenge and we're here to help support you, whether it's through NSIA, agriculture, there's so many resources at your fingertips to learn more and to receive more education and to really broaden your horizons with agriculture. Well, with that, ladies, I want to thank you very much for joining me today and uh, look forward if we can include you in future episodes and we'll let you get on with the rest of your day. Thanks very much. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, thank you so much. Anytime. I'd love to chat. Thanks, Brad. Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform. This concludes another episode of Maritime Agcast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes.